P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. And happy election day, Shelby. We are recording this on <laughs> Tuesday. All Everybody is posting their voting stickers right Hells and yeah. left on social media. It's, it's an exciting day. I've loved the memes about voting in 2016 versus 2018. Those have brought me joy today. Yes, yes. So there's good. There's good even in such sad, sad times. <laughs> I mean, memes are always good. There's no such yeah. thing as like a bad meme. I've been living for the um, the Ariana Grande, like yes. uh, the, the one that I loved, the one that whatever yes. that is. He taught uh, me love. Yes. He taught me patience and he one taught me pain. The, I yes. have to just start off by saying I love that song and I've listened to it basically nonstop since she released released it and i'm like not a huge ariana fan but this song is like a bop and a half and i love it see you posted that like this song (laughs) is such a bop and i was like oh great like i love a good bop like sign me up for this so i like downloaded it sight unseen on my spotify and then was listening to it and i was like oh this is like slower than I thought it was going to be. I wanted it to be like, um, like, yeah, like it's a Carly like a... Rae Jepsen song. <laughs> and it was instead a little like sentimental. And then I was yes! talking with my friends and they were like, yeah, I was crying during it because it like had so much emotional <laughs> resonance. It's real, I was like, man. Yeah. You're just heartless. You just, you've never, you know, have you ever been, have you ever had a heartbreak? Like, can you relate to this like journey of, of self-discovery? Man, it's so good. (laughs) She took those lemons and she made lemonade, you know? Way to go. Way to go on her (laughs) part. My, my favorite part of the song though, is the part where she talks about how like, and now she's with Ari or whatever, like her name and everybody thinks it's Aubrey and people have been thinking that it's like a coming out song about how she's with Drake because his name is Aubrey. (laughs) So I found that very entertaining on Twitter. That's funny. No, it was the whole thing. I mean, even just the journey to thank you next. I feel like that was, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun a little bit, but are we, are we ready to talk? (laughs) Tell me something I don't know, because I was really into this story, this breakup, this next chapter for Ariana, you know? Oh, I mean, for sure. But I feel like first, (laughs) I need to address our fans and be like, guys, leave us some friggin' reviews (laughs) on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah, we're hearing that people are listening to us. Yeah. So, like, if you've heard of us and you hear us reading reviews at the beginning of each episode, like, you should want to leave a review, right? That's like the logic behind it. And just think about this. Like, what a, what a nuisance is it to actually go out and vote? You know, you have to, like, go someplace. <laughs> you have to, like, research things. This you can yeah. do, like, from the comfort of your bed. Just, like, swipe yeah. up on the little thing. Leave <laughs> us a, a loving comment. And it'll be great. And really, we probably need it more than yeah. people need you to vote. Because there's lots of people who can vote. But we need you specifically to leave us a Shelby disagrees with that method, but like the heart of it is like (laughs) I can get behind. Um, Yeah, no, it's really easy. And I even made a little tutorial on our Instagram. So you can find us on Instagram at PS You're Wrong and go to our profile and there's a little story to subscribe and it'll teach you all the little neat tricks on how to leave an iTunes review. So you don't have any excuses. (laughs) 
Yeah, no excuses. And we see the number of people who download these episodes, and it is a lot more than the people who are leaving reviews. And reviews help us get more fans, so (laughs) you guys should be nice. So thirsty, man. Coming on so strong. Maybe I'll cut out that part. It seemed a little desperate. (laughs) Let's get back. Let's get back to the Pete Davidson. We'll talk yes, about him being please. desperate instead I've of been, me. Yes. Okay. This was. I was living for this moment because it was the promos. The promos for SNL, and Pete Davidson was featured with the a guest of the week, and he just made a joke with the singer and was like, "Hey, do you want to get married?" And then he's like, "She's obviously like no," and he's like, "Oh, for three. So obviously, a direct nod to his recent breakup with Ariana. And I don't know if you were on Twitter for this, but Ariana snapped and she kind of clapped back and she came at him, and she tweeted. Um, like for somebody who claims to hate relevancy, you sure love clinging to it, huh? And I was like, oh, because I like, I saw it as it happened. Like it was literally like posted 32 seconds after, uh, after I logged in. And so I was like, there for it. And she said a couple more shady things. Eventually she went back and deleted them, which it's like, whatever. Everyone was so excited to see her be so like anti-Pete, I guess, or just like, you know, don't like use me as a joke anymore because she's yeah. probably sick of it. And for sure. So a lot of fans were commenting at her and being like, oh, we love you. Like, what's up? What are you doing? And she's like working hard, have a new album. She tweeted some things that were like, oh, are these new lyrics? Is this an album title? So it was just a whirlwind couple of days before she was like, yeah, I have a new single and a new album. And it's called Thank You Next. And then she made the genius move of releasing it like an hour or a half hour before SNL. So on Saturday night, she just drops this new song, which if you haven't heard, you should go listen to it because, yeah, it's maybe not like a dance club anthem, but it's still a certified pop. <laughs> and she <laughs> she calls out all her exes by name, including P, and is just basically like, she uses this delightful <laughs> writer's technique of of using pettiness, but ultimately like revealing true growth. And I was just like really enraptured with it because I thought it would be like a drag, you know, kind of like how she came for him on Twitter. But it was really like, you know what, like live and let learn, you know, she's like, let go and let God basically. Mm. And it was great because there had been rumors that Pete was going to focus on the Ariana joke stuff still but then at the end of it you know snl starts and he gives his jokey spiel and then he ends with this like really serious like i respect her she's a good person i'm not gonna talk about this anymore so she like put him in his place you know oh my gosh so much drama so much drama <laughs> I loved it the two of them really have just been like months months worth of good material I know, I'm gonna, like, miss them, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, they'll still be around. They'll just be separated yeah. from each other. <laughs> yeah. Didn't Ariana Grande literally just have an album, though? And I know, it's so talking about so she's weird. releasing another one? Yeah, Who so is she, she is. Kanye West? <laughs> Kanye wishes. Um, she, like, literally broke, like, <laughs> iTunes, Spotify records. Like, iTunes had to freeze everything because... This, like, I don't even know who, he was using bots to keep her from number one and was, like, 
propping up his own song. And so they had to freeze iTunes to figure it out. Turns out Ariana had like broken all the records and Spotify. She's like the most downloaded, whatever, all these things. So I think it's just sort of like maybe Sweetener was sort of like dedicated to Pete in a lot of ways. Like it was written during their relationship and she had a couple of songs about him. So maybe she just needed to like cleanse the palate a little. And she's like, you know, I don't want to do a whole tour about Sweetener. Let's add a little something to the pot and (laughs) release a whole new album. Yeah. (sighs) Does she have a tour planned? She released dates just this week when all this was happening. So maybe she is planning on doing a new album before that. That seems. Yeah, no, exactly. So she's going to do the double, the double album tour. It's still called the sweetener tour though, I think. And so she's going to feature both songs. She released the dates and, um, yeah, it's happening. It's really happening. So very interesting. Another another Ariana album to (laughs) dissect later. Great. Does she write all of her own music? Is that a thing? I don't know. I've never, I think she's like, I think so. Involved. She's involved. I read this really interesting article about how we still resist the idea that female pop stars are writers and artists of their own right. And that we always assume there's a man behind the scenes pulling the strings like Max Martin and Shellback and Jack Antonoff. And so it's sort of like, you know, props to her. Like these are her songs and she, she has to be involved on some level. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I just assume that all pop stars don't write their own songs. So <laughs> like yeah. no matter who you are. Like like the Sean Mendes write his own songs? I don't know. I assume not, but maybe yeah. he does. Yeah, um, I don't know. But what about you? What do you have for me? Tell me something I don't know. Oh, oh, lots of stuff. This is like a great week. I have a list of like seven things. And then as <laughs> I was leaving work today, someone brought up how Alec Baldwin like just punched somebody <laughs> in the face last week. And I was like, oh, I had totally forgot that that even happened. But yeah. I mean that's exciting news. Yeah. He's a horrible person. <laughs> and I and I he feel is. like because he impersonated Trump, people like sort of gave him a pass these last couple of years. Yeah. But it's like the reason why he's so good at impersonating <laughs> Trump is because he's eerily similar to Trump <laughs> as a human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like he it was he punched a random person in the face over like a parking spot. Like what? Who do you really? have to be to do that? Yeah, yeah. He's and then got, got some anger issues. I know. I feel like he's just been ruined for me for a long time, and I feel like a lot of people keep trying to give him second chances or be like, "Oh, well, it was a long time ago," and it's just like I don't know. You know? Yeah. You can only do so many awful things. <laughs> it's really depressing because I feel like now I can't really watch his movies anymore and I wanted to yeah. watch Mission Impossible Fallout again, but then now it's like, uh <laughs> I just I can't because of Alec Baldwin as much as That's I loved true. that movie. Well, mm. the good news is he won't be in the next one. <laughs> well, there, it might be a flashback. <laughs> Best not to risk it, I think. Yeah. Well, speaking of movies and, like, bad people, um, Rebel Wilson is back in the news. Oh, yes. I, I saw this. <laughs> I love this story. I, I'm i like, oh. Rebel Wilson's always been sort of a fringe character for me. Like, I've been sort of, like, interested in her, not really sure if she's cool or not. She had this whole thing where she, like, sued Australia or something 
for libel about lying about her age and whatever, like crazy stuff. But she finally comes back and she has this new movie coming out. And it's basically like, I feel pretty, except instead of waking up and thinking she's gorgeous, she wakes up, she has a head injury, wakes up and she's stuck in like a romantic comedy world. And it, it honestly looked a little fun for me. It's like, it has all, it just like pays homage, but also makes fun of all these like romantic comedy stuff. But then she went and just stuck her foot so far up her own mouth. It was just really messy because on Ellen, when she was promoting it, she was like, I'm so excited to be the first plus size star of a romantic comedy. (laughs) And everyone immediately was like, "Um, but you're not like you have Queen Latifah, Monique, you have Nikki Blonsky in Hairspray, like there's been a lot. Like this isn't the just last like... <laughs> holiday with Queen Latifah is yeah. one of the greatest Christmas it movies is. of all time. D- nobody can dispute that. <laughs> I know. And so I was like, oh yeah, like obviously she misspoke. Like it's okay. She was caught up in the moment. But no, she like dug her hill her heels in and like decided this was the hill to die on. Like she tweeted at a bunch of people and was like, well, actually, um, of course I know these movies exist, but it's questionable like if these women were one, um, plus size at the time of filming, and two, if they're technically even categorized as a rom-com. And she was like trying to like get out of this on a technicality. <laughs> and like Monique, who starred in a lot of these, was like, yeah, maybe you should just apologize and stop erasing black women from like history again. And again, uh, instead of just being like, oh my bad, Rebel was like, no, like, it's still not the same thing. Like, sorry if you guys got offended. And then she started blocking people <laughs> who, who like, were critiquing her words and, like, criticizing her. And she just, like, was blocking all these, like, media figures to the point that Rebel Wilson blocked me was trending on Twitter. <laughs> so just, like, a lot of bad press. And finally, I think today she came out and like posted a three-part apology that was like, I silence these women when really they're the ones I should be hearing most from. And it's just like, okay, Rebel, like, thanks. Do we think that maybe it was like a language barrier? You know, she's Australian. (laughs) Maybe plus size means something different there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, maybe. But again, it would have been so easy to just be like, oh, sorry. You know, like, oh forgot about that like thanks for correcting me but instead she's like no I am the first don't take this moment from me and so it's just sort of like "Mm, rebel you know rebel without a cause (laughs) oh wow there we go Shelby great great fantastic (laughs) I think I came up I saw this movie being filmed I was running no. on yes, yes. No. I was yes. <laughs> I was running along the Hudson River one night, like I don't know, a year ago. And there's this mall that's like kind of on the water, and there's a like a big open patio section that's behind yeah. the mall, and they had it all blocked off, and they had a limousine out there, and Rebel Wilson was like getting in and out of the limousine during takes and i was but it was very confusing to me because it's not a road and i was like what like why is like why did they put a limousine there to shoot the shot so i'm excited to see the movie (laughs) solely just to see what was going on in that shot and maybe you'll see me running in the background probably (laughs) just staring quizzically at the scene below 
Oh my gosh. Yes. That is so exciting. Claim to fame. When I saw this story, though, the first thing that immediately popped into my mind was, I think it was two years ago um, when Sam Smith won an Oscar for um, Skyfall. And he had that whole speech (laughs) about how he was the first openly gay person to win an Oscar. And like seven other people were like, um, uh, but what about me? Uh, I also won an Oscar. And uh, I was also uh, like married to a man at the time. So yeah. yeah, and really he, sure he just apologized and everyone moved on and it was fine. But Rebel really just <laughs> wouldn't let it go. It was just so funny to watch her kind of make a fool of herself even more. But I'll probably still mm. see it. Oh, no yeah, more. for sure. <laughs> we'll, but we'll go see most anything, especially if it know. comes out in the spring. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess another thing I have. So I don't know if you're a Walking Dead fan or not. <laughs> I watched like the early seasons and haven't really kept up, but I thought that this was an interesting story. So Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick Grimes, who's the main character of The Walking Dead, like the show has been on for what, like nine seasons now, I think. And almost the entire original cast is dead or has, you know, left or whatever. (laughs) And so they, and he announced at the beginning at the end of last season, beginning of this season, this is going to be his last season. And everybody thought that he was going to die. And in the second to last episode, he's like impaled on a, like a stake with all these zombies coming near him. And everyone was like, well, this is it. Like he's going to die in this next episode. Uh And then that'll be the end of him. And we'll move on. But surprise, surprise, he manages to like pull himself off off of a stake that he's impaled on and run away from a zombie horde. And then they announced that they're doing a season, like a series of three movies starring his character. Yeah. It's like a oh, walking no. dead movie spinoff series with him. No. And I was like, who is asking for this? Like walking dead <laughs> numbers are declining and now we're giving them three new movies. It seems ridiculous. Zombie movies me. are hot though. You know, zombie movies are in right now. We get world war Z two soon. And, the Train to Busan remake, so. And the Shaun, uh, um, Shaun of the Dead, I think, too, is coming out. Oh, so really? <laughs> I guess there are zombie movies but coming. three? They're doing a trilogy about him? Yeah. Well, oh and gosh. also, it's another, it's one of those things, too, where you have to think about the timing of, like, okay, so let's say they're making three movies. Like, <laughs> let's say they start shooting the next one, like, end of 2019, comes out sometime 2020. It's like, then the second one comes out in, like, 2022, the third one comes <laughs> out in 2024. Like, does anybody want to watch a Walking Dead movie in 2024, like, 20 Whoa. years after the show premiered? Yeah. No. And he seems, like, pretty old from what I remember, like, already, that it seems like three movies is a long time to, to I dedicate I think he's in his, like, guy. 50s or something. It's not yeah, like he's but it's not 85. Like a... That's right. ages, Shelby. I know. That's in... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but still, he's not like Brad Pitt, you know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, are you saying I'm Brad Pitt's not- older or younger? I'm so <laughs> no, I'm confused. Saying, I'm saying Brad Pitt can get away with being an older guy in a zombie flick because he's Brad Pitt. But this guy, he just seems like old. I don't know. Wait, I just am we, not interested. We, I want to touch down on this really quick. Okay. You have like a weird thing for Brad Pitt? What is a weird thing for Brad Pitt? I mean, like you, like you are, you like him and will like actively go see movies just because he's in them? No, that is misconstruing my point. When I'm presented with a movie starring, a zombie movie starring Brad Pitt or starring the guy from the AMC series, 
I'm going to go see the one starring Brad Pitt. And I did love World War Z. I think World War Z is a great movie and it's underrated. And I'm excited to see if they'll finally like pay dues to the great novel it's based on in World War Z too. So I guess I'm just saying, as far as zombie flicks go, my loyalties lie with Brad Pitt. And I'm just, I can see why Brad Pitt got to headline an entire series. Whereas this guy whose name I honestly don't even remember. I just don't know why they gave him a trilogy. You know, that's all I'm saying. (laughs) Okay, okay, whatever. (laughs) Fine by me. Uh, Do you have anything else for us? Well, I was sad. This is a little dated now, but it happened right when, like, I think we were either recording last week's or it came out, but Kanye West had his, had his is light bulb moment you know he had his epiphany where he was like wait am i being used and he <laughs> he decided to walk back on politics as he says he says his eyes have been open and he's decided to step back from politics and focus on creativity which is what people have been asking for since he first wore his MAGA hat. But what I find most interesting and entertaining was the fact that Donald Trump's been name-dropping him, Candace Owens. Everyone's been, like, in on, like, wow, Kanye's a Republican. Like, let's milk this for all it's worth. And Kanye sort of liked the attention. But the problem was, the thing that set him back was when Candace Owens tweeted some of the ugliest merch I've ever seen and said, Kanye designed this. And that's when Kanye said, you know what? I'm sick of being used. And that was the trigger. That was it for him. You know? Did you have any thoughts um, on that? <laughs> any takeaways? I, th- I, th- I feel like you were desperate to shoehorn <laughs> these Kanye West stories in just it's to get back It's important. No, it's full circle. We have to, we have to complete the tale of the Kanye choices. <laughs> Did you not see this story though, or are you just you no? Just ignored I, it? I mean, it's like three weeks ago. It, <laughs> it was one week ago. There's no. other more important <laughs> things to be talking about. I feel like you just—I just thought it like was you're so funny curating. I just these- thought it was just so utterly Kanye that it wasn't when people were like, "Whoa, man, you can't say that about slaves," or like hey, I'm your best friend. I really don't think you should side with this guy. It was when someone <laughs> someone wrongfully said that his creative genius had been part of an ugly campaign that he was like, hold up now. No, bad. Politics suck. I'm out of here, you know? So, but I'm happy for him. He, he, he saw the light. So it's a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm- Fantastic. What do you what do you want to talk about? What do you, what uh, else do you have? Well, I would just go into Bohemian Rhapsody, but I feel like we cannot leave <laughs> the other fans on that dull of a note. So I'm <laughs> going to pull up another story here. Um, mm. The Spice Girls are doing a <laughs> okay. reunion show. This is better than Kanye. Okay, yeah, continue. But Victoria Beckham is not being a part of the reunion tour. Because she's focusing on her fashion line. And yeah. I feel like this is a horrible choice on her <laughs> part. Because it's like, when you have... the, It reminds me of, like, George R. R. Martin. Where you have the thing that, like, everybody wants you to do. And for some bizarre reason, you, like, cannot 
bring yourself to do the thing that is going to make you money and that is going to like bring joy to people. And instead, you decide to do something else super strange. I'm confused because I figured it was more that the Spice Girls reunion tour was sort of beneath her. Beneath her? What else is she doing? Well, she, she has, has like her a fashion, fashion line. line. No, yeah, but I she's think not she's not doing well. Well, like, what's her net worth, though? You know, like, I'm pretty sure she's worth so much more than any of the other Spice Girls. So it's sort of just like, why look back? You know, just I don't, I don't really see her as like thinking. I, I just don't think she needs it. Is my take on the? <laughs> yeah, but like the people need it. You know, like, <laughs> like you're gonna go see a Spice yeah. Girls concert and one of them's not gonna be there. Like. <laughs> weird. <laughs> right. No, that speaks more to the Spice Girls who are just continuing with this, even though it seems like a bad idea. Like, it's like you couldn't do a Friends reunion if if any of them really <laughs> weren't willing to do it. And it's like how some people were like, oh, we could do the Office reunion, but Jim Halpert isn't going to come back. Steve Carell isn't going to come back, so why would they do it? You know, it's like they should have just said, oh, well, this isn't going to work out. Sorry. That's too bad. But they're going ahead with it, and it just kind of feels, like, sad now. <laughs> Are you okay. going to go, though? Are you a big Spice Girls? No, fan? not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were just hoping. I'm a completist, and to have, like, not the full set, I was like, ugh, this is irksome to me. That's fair. That's mm. fair. It is disappointing. For anyone who was hoping for that. But speaking of bands where everybody gets back together for the reunion (laughs) show, let's talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, our feature presentation of the week. Yes. I'm interested in what you thought. I kind of went in blind, honestly. I knew Queen music, obviously. I grew up on it. I recognized the songs. But I knew nothing about the band, nothing of their history, literally had no idea who Freddie Mercury was. I had no idea who was Pakistani, like none of it. And so I just kind of went in blind and I actually like enjoyed it in the moment, except for a few things. And then I walked out and I was reading reviews and reading the liberties they took and all about the production and drama behind this movie itself. And I was like, huh, (laughs) well, that messes that sullies the water a little bit but did you enjoy it (laughs) um i am going to enjoy talking about it a lot (laughs) i think this move like i'm not sure that you could pick a better movie for like a podcast episode (laughs) just in the fact that it's production had so many twists and turns the movie has so many weird things going on in it that you can talk about Mm -hmm. the like casting and the people who they had hired to direct it and how it was marketed (laughs) like it's just all so strange that 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 i'm just like so excited to get into it yeah the (laughs) movie's about queen freddie mercury for those of you who don't know is the lead singer of queen (laughs) he was like very flamboyant he was gay he eventually died of aids which is touched upon in the movie and basically this is it's been a trend in like biopics the last few years, I feel like to hone in on like one specific section of a person's life. Mm -hmm. But this is literally like from like when he is like a teenager, not famous all the way up through this giant like charity performance that they did uh, like towards the end of their careers. Yeah. Called live aid. And we get to see like 
everything that happened in between <laughs> and the things that were selected to be in this movie and not selected to be in this movie, it's, just, it's all fascinating. Yeah, it like, felt like first impressions, I was like, this movie is like trying to be like Mamma Mia. Like it's just focused on queen music and it's very like fun and frothy and very shallow. And yet it was also like, oh, but we can be a serious biopic too. Trust us. Look at us touching all these emotional moments before moving on to the next one very quickly. It was an interesting journey and they did a lot of things. I don't know. Right. But like entertainingly. And then a lot of things like really poorly. So it was just kind of. It it got a lot of hate. I don't know if I'm like fully on yes. board with all the hate, but it was like not a great film. Well, it got bad reviews, and I think when it when people saw like the trailers and stuff for it back last year, everyone was like, "Oh, Rami Malek, who's." plays Mr. Robot and is playing mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury like looks very much like Freddie Mercury. He has the mannerisms mm-hmm. down. This is basically just like two and a half hours of him getting to like <laughs> sort of chew on the scenery. He's doing yeah. an accent. He has false teeth. He's doing dance. Like yeah. there's there's so much going on here that people were like, oh, this is like an Oscar movie for sure. Yeah. And I think as the months passed and more details about the production and the film came out, people started to be like, <laughs> Hmm, like what is actually going on in this movie? And then when people <laughs> finally saw it, they were like, "Oh, this is sort of a like a mild disaster," <laughs> and and they gave it really poor reviews. Yeah, although it's done amazing in the box office, which is yeah. strange. I mean, I think once you get into the story, you kind of see why one why they made the choices they did, and two why it's found its audience because it is. It's just like a frothy sort of like listen to Queen music, see Queen in concert, basically. And so it like appeals to a broad mass of people. Whereas if you really got to the nitty gritty of Freddie Mercury's life and like the ins and outs of the band, it might've been much more gritty and serious. And they just kind of put a nice polish over it all. And just, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting watch, but it was really crazy to see how it, how it was made and just the <laughs> the process of getting it to the screen. I guess let's first just sort of talk about like what you were saying, how this movie is rated PG-13. However, it is about a rock band in like the 70s and 80s that like from all accounts did a lot of drugs did a lot of (laughs) or drank a lot like had all kinds of weird like sex parties especially Mm -hmm. on freddie mercury's front he gets aids and eventually dies of that you know their their songs are not necessarily super family friendly to begin with and yet somehow or another they've managed to turn this into like yeah this brightly colored pg-13 rated movie and i think following the the production path really speaks a lot (laughs) to like how like where the original like history of it happened and then Mm -hmm. how somehow it got like sifted down to this gem-like movie that we have. I know. I think the most interesting discovery was realizing how involved the remaining Queen members were a part of this film. Like, they were... (laughs) They had their hands in it, and I think it really shows, because first of all, no one thought this movie could get made because you need Queen's approval to use all their music. But I think it was like quite a few years ago that it finally got greenlit by the band. And way back then, it was actually like 
gonna star Sasha Baron. What I just said. Sasha Baron Dyslexia. Cohen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, it was. Him. <laughs> yeah, like Borat. It was yeah. originally set to star Borat, and uh, he wanted it to be a super like gritty, raunchy, like hard yeah. R-rated movie, <laughs> yeah. and the band was like. Um, no, we think that might like sully our legacy with fans. So we would like to tone this down a bit. And obviously, Sasha Baron Cohen was like, "Uh, well, that's not really the movie I want to be in. So I'm gonna leave. And And another thing besides like the rating that the band was heavily involved with is you can sort of feel like when you're watching it, that the band, that this movie should be about Freddie Mercury, (laughs) but the band members who are still living were kind of like, but we want to be like bigger, like have a bigger role in this movie. So there's definitely like more scenes of them in here than should be. (laughs) And Sasha Baron Cohen, after he left the project, like was giving an interview and reported to people and said, yeah, the band wants, Wanted to have Freddie Mercury die in the middle of the movie and have the <laughs> yeah. whole second half just be about the remaining three band members yeah. and like what they did after he died, yeah. which seems ludicrous to me. <laughs> I know, especially given that right now they're touring with Adam Lambert as a poor man's friend. Yes. So it's yes. like, does anyone want to watch that? I don't think so. But it's also like, I mean, they're listed as executive producers or something. Jim Beach, their yeah. manager slash lawyer, was the producer and so it's sort of like the producer yeah so it's just like you can tell they have their biases and their hopes and dreams for what story this will tell and they get to rewrite history because freddie mercury isn't around to correct them so it's just like it leaves sort of an icky taste in your mouth when you realize like the creative control they must have had and you kind of start to see the veins of their (laughs) their priorities their thoughts their hopes their rewrites and it's just kind of like hmm it's kind of a waste of a biopic because it could have been really interesting but instead it just became a shiny way to retell their reshare their music with a new generation basically and in the movie Freddie seemed like Freddie like maybe did drugs once like maybe he drank a little bit he like slept around a little bit but it's only like hinted at but the other three members of the band basically were just saints saints, and didn't do anything in the movie they're like I have to get home to my wife yeah yes yes you're like this isn't how this worked but also there's a lot of weird scenes in the movie where they'll be like writing a song and Mm -hmm. they have to give attributions to everybody who did like a little something like oh well uh roger you actually wrote the base of this and then i came (laughs) in and came up with this little idea and then uh bill you did this other thing but i can kind of respect that because they must be tired of it just being the freddy show right like it's like i was actually really impressed by how talented all of them were because i had no idea that all four of the members were in the hall of fame for songwriting and like I appreciated that I like walked away realizing, wait, all these guys were supremely talented. All these guys were participants in these hits. That was one part that I actually liked because I was like, oh, this isn't just the Freddie show. It's not a one man band. Like all these guys were musical geniuses. And so I didn't mind that much as much as you did, I guess. Well, I just think like when you're when you're taking 
an a historical event and making it into a movie. Obviously, you're going to have to like trim some things, reshape some stuff. Like it's never one for one because it would make the movie boring. Yeah. But to see the things that they changed in this and right. then not to have like edited those moments out <laughs> seems weird to me. It's like they yeah. buffed up and polished various other things, but then they're like, no, we need all the details in here about who <laughs> wrote which parts of Bohemian Rhapsody. Like that is yeah. very important that the audience get. But uh, <laughs> us are like drinking problem. We can we can like take that out yeah I know that's what was interesting to me was just the way the the reality of the story versus what they presented I walked away I knew leaving the theater I like turned to my friend I was like I feel like we didn't get the full story and I like read about it and it's like they took some major liberties at rewriting history and not only with details, but yeah, with their personalities. Cause I was reading this um, interview from a couple of years ago with the guitarist, Brian May, and he was talking about how actually the band sort of started to fracture when they all went to Munich together, which isn't shown in the movie. And they kept having these wild parties. And he was like, yeah, we were all just like, he didn't, he says he doesn't, he didn't do drugs, but he's like, we were all drinking. We were all drunk all the time. We were having crazy affairs. Like it was just like, he painted this picture of a totally raucous like rock band that you would picture. But in the movie, it is like, these are these family guys who just judge Freddie for going so far down the rabbit hole of drugs and sex and alcohol. And it just like really becomes like a pious, like, I don't know. It's like they were the whole movie is yeah. basically just shaming Freddie and being like, oh, this is a cautionary tale of how Freddie let himself go too far. And it was just like, ew, it just kind of made me feel gross about the rest of them. Well, and there's also the whole section in the middle where like Freddie Mercury leaves the band to go on a solo <laughs> yeah. career and makes him look like he did it very selfishly. But in yeah. actuality, it was sort of like everybody had agreed to that. And then yeah. at the end of the movie, it looks like the band is broken up. <laughs> Freddie Mercury finds out he has AIDS like in his right. last dying breath he decides we need to like I need to right. put all of this in the past we need to reunite <laughs> and do this one final performance before I die but yeah. in all actuality <laughs> they didn't break up they were on tour right before this performance and he didn't re- and he didn't find out he had AIDS till like several years later I know like, completely I, was, changed I felt it. so lied to I like started reading about this and I was like oh my gosh like Obviously, you go to a biopic, you know, there will be some liberties, you know, like, maybe I, Tanya had some biases or <laughs> the darkest hour, like, p- cherry picked what it would show. But they literally, like, rewrote history just to make them look cooler. And they did it all so that Freddie would have this journey where he had to grovel to the remaining band members to be like, please take me back. Like, I was so wrong. You guys were so right. Like, how could I have betrayed you? And it's just like, it's crazy because the drummer had two solo albums before him. Everyone was doing solo work. They were touring. They never broke up. They did like the, they decided to do the live aid because of course he would. But in the movie, it's like they send him out of the room in a really childish way just to teach him a lesson. 
And you're just kind of like, man, these guys like are really pissing on the reality of their history just because this guy's dead and they get to say what they want. And if you thought that was the like extent of the weirdness of this movie, <laughs> you have not even seen the half of it because yeah. after Sasha Baron Cohen left the production, they hired a new director, Dexter Fletcher, who... Um, uh, he eventually he directed uh, the new Elton John movie that's coming out, mm-hmm. but that's later in the story. So they hired him, and they also hired Ben Wishaw to be Freddie Mercury. He's in. He's going to be in the new Mary Poppins movie. He's the tech guy in um, James Bond. He's like the tech guy in James Bond. So they hired him, and then the band was sort of like, eh, we don't know if we want them. So they then they got rid of the <laughs> two of them, and they hired Brian Singer on oh. to be the to be the director. Yeah. Who directed the x-men movies <laughs> but halfway through the directing with him it comes out that he like was accused of raping boys yeah. and so he got bumped off the production they had to bring dexter fletcher back in to finish the directing <laughs> and then there was this whole giant debacle over which one of the two of them would be attributed <laughs> as the actual director of the movie and somehow yeah. or another brian singer got full credit and Dexter Fletcher's name is like relegated to the back half of the credits. It's like, it's such a messy way to make a movie. And I feel like you can see like the seams as you're watching it. Did you feel like that? Yeah, no, it was a weird, it was a weird tone. It took a weird tone because it was sort of like, I never knew what kind of style it wanted. And there were a lot of times where it was bright and happy and funny. And then there were like really moody, like red lighting and everything's dramatic. And then there were like really close, up close, like fisheye looks. It was just kind of all over the place. But anyways, yeah, just like I heard that Brian Singer and Rami Malek disagreed on set a lot. And they like hated each other and really didn't agree on like directorial choices and style choices. And so... I think it does just start to show and it kind of did feel messy in the end. But I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out because I think they're trying to position Brian Singer for your consideration for an Oscar still. Oh, <laughs> Which I, no. Which I don't think it deserves. <laughs> that <but>. is laughable. <laughs> even but, even <laughs> if he was, even if this was the best movie of the year, there is no way that anybody in their good conscience in Hollywood is Just voting gonna, for the child right. rapist for an Oscar. Like, no. Yeah, you would hope so, but... <laughs> you never know. And it's just like, I wonder too why they chose him to be the director of this musical biopic. Because I don't know, like looking at his IMDb page, you're just kind of like, huh, interesting choice. But he directed some like big, like the usual suspects and some like big name things way back when. But basically, yeah. he's just done X Men movies for like the past <laughs> 10 years. So yeah, yeah it, it did seem like a strange choice to me, other than if maybe like he was a really big Queen fan and wanted to like do this as sort of like a passion project. I'm not really sure. But it feels so disjointed to me in the fact that you can never tell what like the focus of the movie is on. There's so many different plot lines going on and you feel like a good director would have 
come up or if there had been one director would have really like narrowed the focus as to this is what the movie is about but you're dealing with like freddie's relationship with his parents and his relationship with the band members and his wife (laughs) and also like the band members kind of like as a separate unit there's the whole thing with this like manager guy who he's sort of like (laughs) a sort of boyfriend confusing it was like like that was the problem, though, is it kept all these pieces at arm's length still. So you never really felt invested. You weren't really sure where it was going. You didn't know who to care about. Like, that's what was most confusing to me watching it. Like, even before I knew all this stuff, I was just like, it just felt like such a Disneyfied version of, of like, a rock star story. And it just never, yeah, it never cho- chose a lane. And it just was so, like superficial on everything so it was like yeah who was the creepy manager dude when did they start hooking up did they ever hook up or were they just like each other's like wingmen and like what yeah. about the like love interest that pops up at a party and then suddenly yeah, the, the like emotional waiter crux? yeah yes <laughs> it was just like all of it was just sort of like why aren't they just investing fully in one of these things to just like give that emotional um vain for the whole story because otherwise it just it did just feel like splashy vignettes of like oh this is how they started the band this is when they recorded bohemian rhapsody this is when they started to have problems and it was just like okay this is just a life story you know well and they didn't they didn't pay enough attention to any of the side characters to actually have them to have you as a viewer be invested in them i mean when the parents showed back up like in the back half of the movie i had completely forgot that there was had been any scenes with them at all in the beginning (laughs) just because like it had been so long since you had seen them on screen and they had had such little impact in the beginning to begin with (laughs) but then also i mean did when they showed back up and the same with that waiter boyfriend guy right were you not like oh that was yes like now i'm remembering but like you were not sitting in the theater like waiting like i wonder what the parents are thinking about this no because you had totally forgot that that was even a plot line by the time we got back to it well i would say that's true for the waiter guy but the parents was one of the more interesting stories because like i said i had no idea he was pakistani and i thought that was just like crazy interesting so i kept wanting them to go back to that and i wanted to see more of that but it was just sort of like yeah it was weirdly just sort of kept on the back burner because there was like a moment where he's like at a press conference they're like why are you lying about your parents he's like they died in a fiery crash and i was like is that a thing he did did he tell everyone that he was an orphan like i wanted to know the details of that relationship i wanted to know why he was so ashamed like if it was just because his dad didn't appreciate his art or was it more like there was like a racial self-loathing there like I just was curious about it and it never really explored it deeply but I still oh no appreciated when they brought the parents back even though again it was such a weirdly quick neat bow on the package it was just like oh he your dad's cool with you now like that's great no there's no journey to that, but it was like yeah. a neat little bow to add at the end of the film. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing was just uh, it was just messy and felt like it did not have an angle. And then I 
felt Freddy was very unlikable in the movie. Like, yes. there was never, you never, you saw his actions and those were unlikable and you never got deep enough into him as a person to under, to make him like relatable at all. Yeah. He felt like a child and I felt like I kept siding with the other three members in the band and felt bad for them for having to deal with him. But <laughs> yeah. in actuality, like they, I think were just as difficult of people to deal with, but they're just writing the script. So right. like, I know. I think that was the like hardest thing for me was like the way they handled Freddie's um, sexuality, his queerness. Like it yes. felt really dated and almost like it was sort of a cautionary tale of like, oh, you can't be promiscuous because you'll get AIDS and die. And it was just like very judgmental of Freddie. It just, yeah, it just like looked down on him, treated him like a child. And it was sort of like he was vilified for being queer, even though like that is why Queen was such a huge, like Freddie was such an icon was because he was this flamboyant character. He was like this, I don't know if he ever like came out in his life, but he was like a gay star. And like everyone was like, into him for that reason but then here it's like oh he's embarrassing us he's such a shame on us like he's just too far gone you know i mean i think it's i think it's one thing to have it be a cautionary tale but it's sort of like you can't do that if you're not actually going to tell the story as it happened <laughs> yeah. i mean like right. i was reading online you know he had these like crazy parties and like mm-hmm. all of, like with all of these drugs and yeah. you know like the, just these like huge orgy kind of things but that isn't yeah. really depicted in the movie so it's like <laughs> no. if you're going to say like okay like he he lived this lifestyle and he got aids because of it you need to actually like show the lifestyle you know what i mean like yeah this just made it look like he got aids because he was gay not because of anything that he <laughs> right. had like done along the way yeah it felt like really dirty to me the way they just kind of looked down on him and it was like they never explicitly shared what he did like I remember being very confused because he was engaged or married I don't remember but he was was on the road and there would just be like lingering looks at guys like one of the biggest moments was this guy at a truck stop goes into the bathroom and they give each other a look and I was like so did he cheat on her was he just realizing he was into men like what happened like was he actively with men at this time in his life or was he just like struggling with his own sexuality and it was sort of interesting because leaving the theater I was like well maybe they were just trying to present this like ingrained homophobia that a lot of people in that time period struggled with because it wasn't okay to be gay and like maybe they were trying to present this film in like a oh, like, Freddie couldn't ever fully admit he was gay, so we'll never fully show that he had these gay relationships. But it just felt like a cop-out because, like you said, it kind of just waters it down and makes it just palatable enough that if you don't want to think about the gay stuff, you don't have to. And if you don't like the gay stuff, then there's enough in there to make you think, wow, look at him. That's why you shouldn't be gay, kids. And then there's just enough that you could be like, oh, like, I guess, yeah, he showed they showed enough that he was a gay icon. So it's just sort of like they were trying to please everyone, but it just ended up not working. 
Well, they wanted that PG-13 rating bad, <laughs> yeah. which seems ludicrous to me for a rock star movie. <laughs> right. But they, I think they were just so hungry for that that they just had to keep cutting out all of the, like, okay, well, we can't really have drug references. Okay, we can't really show a lot of drinking. <laughs> like, there's no swearing, really, in the movie. It's it's just right. mind-blowing that that that's the type of movie that they were trying that they thought would be well, the most successful although i mean it has yeah. been really successful so it's yeah. like who is who is this movie i guess like uh, <laughs> to kind of shift gears like this movie also has a 95 audience score on rotten tomatoes yeah. like who is this movie for who is going to see it and who is being like this is like this is what i wanted this is the greatest thing like, yeah. what is that type of person? Well, I think it is like, you know, like, honestly, I had fun watching this movie. It was fun to see the Queen music. It was, like, great to see Rami Malek. Like, he did an amazing job. And so it was, like, an entertaining film. And if you're not going in, like, ready for this nitty-gritty biopic about the ins and outs of this icon's life, then you'll walk away being like happy with it, you know? And I think that's yeah. like the middle of the road type of people that this, uh, that this movie's aimed at. And in a way they sort of nailed it because they don't care about what the truth was. They don't care about like, oh, well, did this actually happen? They just want to go and hear we are the champions and, <laughs> you know, all those like heavy hitters. Like, I think it's like, it makes sense that it's doing well. I'm not surprised. Yeah, I guess that does make sense because if you think about like the like people who are in our parents' generation who like yeah. grew up with this music, they really like the music. There's so many good songs. They can just mm-hmm. go sit and like listen to all the Queen songs and sort of like see funny things that are happening. It's kind of a jokey right. movie at certain points. Yeah. It's like kind of sentimental at the end. So you yeah, can just no, like let very... it wash over you. Yeah, it's just a tepid, bland just boring enough story it is literally mama mia for my dad like that's what it is like it's just <laughs> it's just enough story to motivate the music and that's all they needed they just hit every single song they had to and now people can just wait for that 20 minute literal concert at the end which was great like it was amazing how they did that and the music was great to watch on the screen so it's like, I can't fault them for it, but I, knowing the truth of the story, I wish they had done more. And honestly, I think it's really gross the way they aimed their weapons at Freddie Mercury and his sexuality, because it just like, it made me feel really like icky. Like it was like, <laughs> it was just kind of homophobic in a way, or just really anti it was just like, it presented this idea of like, oh, gay men are promiscuous and they get AIDS. Like, I don't know. It just felt really gross to me. Yeah. I, w- I wonder like how much of that was the like plan of the movie and how much of that just right. sort of happened in these like various yeah. edits. And then how much of it was the PG-13 rated thing. It right. is like, it is a strange there's just so many times in the movie where you're kind of like, like what, like how did this get in here, or how, why is this the way <laughs> right. it is? And you know that there's a reason for it, but it's like hard to attribute what yeah. happened where. I the one thing that I really thought was good in this movie was Rami Malek's performance as yeah. Freddie Mercury because after like watching some movies or some clips of Freddie Mercury after watching mm-hmm. the movie, I was like, oh, his he is like spot on acting. I was very distracted in the watching by that horrendous set of false teeth that he is wearing. <laughs> and you know my like weird 
teeth fixation to begin with i was just like this is disturbing i can like barely handle it but (laughs) i thought his performance was really good it was perfect yeah no i was really impressed by honestly all of them like looked the part and it's kind of freaky how like on the nose it is like they're all carbon copies of whoever they're playing and so that was like a fun part was just to see (laughs) these guys with the crazy hair the crazy like styles just rocking out together but Rami was excited to see your boy from Jurassic Park (laughs) wait what you did not know this the the one of the people in the band is the little boy from Jurassic Park the the bassist is it the bassist yes yes oh I can see that now he is a little dorky redhead oh that is so funny I need to go see it again I guess (laughs) (laughs) I thought you would pick up on that like I saw it on why the, like, I, be, I Why would I be Googling these IMDb characters? They're like, no, I, things, you know? <laughs> I saw it. I saw it on IMDb and I was like, oh, Shelby, Shelby would have recognized this guy right away. It's her favorite oh, movie of all time. Faces. I know. I'm really bad with, I'm really bad with faces and names and all that. But I'm glad I know that now that I can see it now. I, you connected that dot that I didn't know was there. So thank you. <laughs> you know, no, but they no were trouble. all, they were all good. And I loved, um, the woman who plays the wife, like, I think she's really good. She's from Sing Street, which is amazing and way better than this film. And then I thought all the, like, side characters were fun. It was strangely, like, yeah, humor-driven because they had Mike Myers in this strange Oh, role. yeah. And he was just, like, in this cameo because I guess he's a huge fan of Queen <laughs> because of Wayne's World or whatever. And... So they just gave him this part, which is a character that wasn't real. They just made him up. It was sort of a, uh, they just like based him on every executive who ever told them Bohemian Rhapsody was a bad idea. And he was like funny. So it was like a fun, refreshing part of the film. But it is just another thing where they're just like throwing in these like. Throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think Rami will get a nod for best actor from this or? Well, that it's always tough with these kinds of movies where yeah. the the actor does a really good job, but people don't necessarily want to reward the movie. Right. So sometimes you see these weird dynamics where it's like if if the movie had been really good, I think definitely he would get nominated. But when I think mm. that he's up against somebody, you know, like let's say Ryan Gosling in First Man, where people want to reward that movie because of how good it is. And so I feel like that they might be more likely to give that nomination to Ryan Gosling over Rami Malek, even though maybe Rami Malek is a better actor in this just because they like the other movie better. I don't know. It's tough because I think that he, it's a very like showy role and it's a lot of acting. He, but he doesn't really do the singing in it, which I think is sort of a strike against him because they're using a lot of like him mixed with Queen, mixed with an impersonator. I thought that was the smartest thing they could have done because if we went into a movie about Queen and didn't hear Queen, I think everyone would have just been very judgmental of Rami's voice. And I, I found it less distracting to have it be Queen 
live recordings playing out of Rami's mouth than to imagine what he might have sounded like without it. I mean, I think it was the good choice for the movie, but I don't know if like when you're, if you're playing somebody in a movie, yeah, Yeah. for like for Oscar, I think that you get more points if you carry off the singing. Like in the Elton John movie that's coming out, uh, what's his face Um, from Kingsman. Um, oh yeah, that's his name, and Robin Hood. He is doing all of the singing, like as Elton John, because right. he has a really good voice. He was also in that um, Sing, the animated movie. Oh yeah, Taron Egerton, <laughs> that's his name. Um, so I think like he will get more points because not only is he doing the acting, he's also doing the singing. Where Rami Malek right. is really just doing the acting, but you really never know. I mean, I don't know. I kind of there's still lots of things that are not out yet, so we'll have to see kind of if big projects coming down the pike like do well or don't do well and see if he can find right. a slot i don't think he's gonna win though i i'm i, yeah. I feel like that's not a possibility for him <laughs> but maybe nomination such a hater yeah it's yeah, just an no, honor I mean... to be nominated shelby it's just an honor to be nominated <laughs> You're right. he should be especially given the the conflict with this film it'll be an honor to be nominated for him but it's and sort those of like teeth. yeah <laughs> I just, I wish it had been better. And even though I was entertained, I definitely knew I wasn't getting the full story. And it was frustrating to go into a biopic and feel like you're not getting the meat of the meal, you know, like it was just like, very sanitized. And honestly, I wish they didn't have to be like, sexually explicit. Like, I understand why they wanted a PG-13 rating. But I feel like they were very unfair in their portrayal of Freddie because it was like he was shown like in bed with May or kissing May but then whenever it came to the gay stuff it was like he just had to be like oh um get this guy out of here you can't uh, leave your friends around this wasn't me (laughs) you know like it was just like very like anti-gay which is weird because he was a gay icon and I just feel like I can understand why people were so disappointed in this film because clearly it missed the mark on telling the real story of this real person who's no longer around to share his, his side. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's a, it's a weird, there's a lot of weird angles going on in this movie. And it's strange (laughs) because like Brian Singer is gay, the original director. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, granted he wasn't the person editing this movie, but it seems like he would have been, he would have wanted that in this. I don't know. Um, yeah, I just remember like the one scene, it's like after they've broken up and they're all disappointed, there's some sort of song playing and there's just this montage of Freddie being led through this oh, red yeah. din of iniquity, like yes. this game in <laughs> like, everywhere. It's just or whatever. Like, yeah, and it's just like you're meant to judge him for that moment and it's just like oh of course he got AIDS, like look at him, he's lost who he was because he's become too promiscuous and it's just like there had to be a better angle to take that could have been an emotional like conversation about his homophobia or his self-loathing or whatever it was they were trying to present it just came across really dated well it never seemed personal which i think is the problem with this movie is that it never none of the characters really seemed like real people and when you're doing a biopic i think that's the most important thing i mean like with um with the darkest hour last year you really Mm -hmm. felt like you knew winston churchill when you're watching that he felt like a real life person and i think that's why that movie did so well with this like it felt like i was just watching like colored 
panels <laughs> right. and not like I was invested in an actual person. Yeah, it all just flew by really fast and all you got was, oh, he likes cats. You know, that was the main yeah. takeaway about Freddy is he's a cat person and he's strangely obsessed with his ex-girlfriend and wait was this movie was this movie about taylor swift i'm I'm sorry (laughs) oh my gosh you cracked the code this uh it was a taylor swift biopic yes so who was joe and who was (laughs) carly claus and oh my gosh this is this is Uh, all coming full circle of course Um, you know what is really miraculous, though, Shelby? For as much as I disliked this movie, there were two movies that I saw this week that I disliked vastly more than this one. <laughs> are, we, are we moving on to the love it or hate it? Um, yes, please. Okay, tell me. I, I take it it's a hate. Yes, it's a double hate on two different <laughs> horror movies. You know, oh, I love no. I love a good horror movie. Yeah. And on Wednesday... I went to see Hellfest, which was like uh-huh. the amusement park horror movie. And I thought like, oh, oh yeah, this will be right. a fun kind of, you know, like schlocky slasher movie. It'll be entertaining. No, it was like the most boring horror movie I have ever seen in my life. Only like five people died in the whole thing. And I think four of them <laughs> got stabbed in the gut with a knife, which is the most boring way to die <laughs> in a horror movie. It wasn't scary. It wasn't interesting. And I was like, ugh, this, this was a disaster. Oh, it wasn't. You could easily watch it. <laughs> Nobody. There's not even really any jump scares in it. You you can see the bad guy coming like a mile away. There's another weird like bathroom stall murder scene. Only nobody gets murdered. And also it's also not nearly as scary as Halloween's. And I thought, okay, well, this is like a horrible horror movie. Like, let me cleanse my palate by going to see Suspiria. <laughs> which I thought was oh, going to yeah. be a better horror movie. Um, yeah. No, it was not. I think Suspiria <laughs> might be the worst movie I have seen this year. And maybe oh. in like several years. It was mother level of pretentiousness and confusing, confusion. I had no idea what was going on. It was so weirdly artsy and so boring, but it was over two and a half hours long. I don't know <laughs> how the studio let them make this movie is so long. It, it was like... <laughs> I was sitting there thinking it's divided up into acts. So, you know, it'll come in and be like act one, act two. And we got to act three and I thought, okay, this has to be like near the end. It had six acts and an epilogue. (laughs) It was so frigging long and boring and pretentious and not scary. And, and Tilda Swinton is playing like seven characters in bad prosthetics. And you can very (laughs) clearly tell that it's her. And I don't understand why they cast her instead of like, actual actors for those roles it was just a disaster i thought i heard people loved it though i thought it was doing pretty like i thought critics loved it well here i here i think is the thing it's like mother (laughs) when that came out with jennifer lawrence where it's like if you are it's like the emperor's new clothes where it's like you have (laughs) if you are like a smart film critic you have to watch it and talk about like all of the cool things that are in there even if you didn't like it because it's like you don't want to seem like the dumb person who didn't get Suspiria or didn't get Mother (laughs) but I am staking my claim right now that it is just 
two and a half hours worth of gibberish. And I defy anyone to give me like an (laughs) actual interpretation of what this movie was about. I looked online and I could not find anything that was remotely satisfying to me. Oh, man, I'm so sorry. You were looking forward to it. I know. I wanted it to be good. So, and it's based on like another horror movie that I think is German, maybe that I've that I've seen, and it's like very good. It's kind of campy and fun and beautiful. It's about like a dance school in Germany where all of the dance instructors are witches, and yeah. like weird things are going on in the dance uh yeah. academy. But in the yeah, original, were- it's sort of like a slasher movie where like the dancers start like disappearing one by one and this it was like a weird like occulty witches art criticism like what does it mean to be an artist kind of movie and it just was like not enough people died it was so boring i'm so sorry but how many characters did tilda's play Well, she definitely played at least three because she played herself. (laughs) She played an old man. And then she played this like other witch character who looked like a bad job of the hut makeup. Like it was the most unrealistic human being I have ever seen, (laughs) like out of prosthetic makeup. It was it was so bad. She was like in a dungeon, kind of like her tongue was wagging around. Yeah, it was strange. Oh, no. Well, I'm not going to see it, so... Did you read the spoilers of it, though? <laughs> no, those sort of movies just aren't as entertaining to me to read spoilers, <laughs> you know? It's like, why bother? I knew it would be pretentious the moment I saw Tilda Swinton was in it. <laughs> yes, that's true. I should have known then that nothing good yeah. could come. I mean, I like Tilda Swinton in some things, but not this. I know, I know, yeah. Well, I uh, I liked something, and you'll be surprised I watched it, but um, I watched The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Oh, more I horror. know. I had to read every single spoiler, and I like literally read recaps, so I knew exactly when the jump scares would happen. And I just like played it on my phone at work and like had it at an angle so I could quickly like look away if I had to. <laughs> but it was really good I was I wanted to watch it because I love like you know earnest family dramas like that and it was really interesting the way they did it and there was like it was really surprisingly moving and the characters were interesting everyone except the older brother who's like the main part he just like is way too annoying but what was interesting is um it takes huge liberties with the book so don't even compare the two, but here there are five crane children, as in their last name is Crane, not that they're crane children. Oh, I wish it was about and- a family of cranes because I would have been much more invested. <laughs> but they're basically, each of them represent these five stages of grief, which I thought was Ooh, a really interesting yeah. like, um, narrative technique. And so they're all reeling from they grew up in this haunted house and no one really like acknowledge it. And then their mother like dies in a mysterious way. And so they're left reeling as adults trying to like deal with this drama and trauma and stress. And they all like handle it in very different ways. And it all culminates in, in, in it becomes like, even for all the scary stuff and the, the ghost stuff and the horror stuff, it's like still this really interesting tale of like, um, childhood trauma and depression and addiction and like all this stuff that just haunts you and so I really enjoyed it and I was pleasantly surprised to see a Netflix show like that well done 
And there's like one scene, one episode that's like really well regarded episode six, because it's all done in really long extended takes. So it's basically five long shots. And they had to build this set because it takes place in the flashbacks in the house and then at this um, funeral home. And so they had to build the sets knowing they would do this one this one episode so that they could run between the two and they had like you know the children hiding in like hallways to run out when they had to like come out and it was just like really well done and like I wanted to watch it mainly because I wanted to see that episode and it was worth it so I would recommend checking it out oh my gosh I have it like on my list of things to watch I want it it feels like it would be right up my alley 100% (laughs) I have just been you know so busy with other random (laughs) things like watching all of these bad horror movies exactly you should have made better choices I could have watched like five episodes in the time that (laughs) I watched Suspiria so that was a mistake on my part I know but it was it was good I liked it and it honestly looking back at it now like I'm glad I read the spoilers but it wasn't as like terrifying as I thought it would be there was enough emotion that it like over it 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 corrected what would have scared me so it it balanced out for me Well, I never read the book, but it's like a ghost story more than oh yeah, yeah, more than like a slashery kind of thing. I feel like those are less oh, yeah. scary ghosts. Yeah, well, if know. that's how you feel, I mean, I don't know <laughs> what your scared me <laughs> in your weird horror hierarchy of like <laughs> zombies not scary, ghosts scary, axemen really scary. Yeah. Like, it, I yeah, don't. yeah, no, it's hard to explain, but ghosts. I mean, these ones, there are some really creepy moments but if that doesn't like frighten you then you'll just enjoy the story as is okay well i will definitely check that out and everyone else can check us out <laughs> on instagram <laughs> Good Twitter, segue. facebook <laughs> we're at ps you're wrong yes and leave us reviews yes. on itunes back on this yeah we need them yeah matt's struggling without the validation <laughs> yeah it's rough for me but I'm excited. We're going to do a giveaway. So look out for that. We're still figuring out what and how and when, but just something yes. tantalizing to leave you with. Yes. And our next week's episode is going to be a special episode where we're going yes. to switch up our format a little bit, do something exciting. Yeah. We, I, I won't know. tell you exactly what, but... Um, <laughs> But it's in honor of my birthday, which is coming up. So get hyped for that. It'll be a good time. But until then, thank you for listening. Thank you for lasting this long into the podcast. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.